A Year in Japan, Episode 8. Hello there and welcome back to A Year in Japan, Episode 8. Goodness gracious me, isn't time just flying by? Now then, we've got a packed show today. I'm so excited about today's show. Uh, my name's Joseph O'Reilly and uh, I'm just uh, here to introduce Joseph Tame, the host of the show, who will be along in a little while. So in today's show, we've got well, we've got some very exciting stuff. We've got a tale about the oldest time capsule, oh no, the oldest capsule hotel in Japan. Oh, so we have that was that's a grand place. We'll be telling you all about that. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, I've got some great tips for you. I've got some more great tips based on uh, what you can uh, what you can do to improve your Japanese and uh, some some tips on things like where to get your shoes from. Uh, you know, because that's very important. And dictionaries. I've got a good tip about a dictionary. Oi. Anyway, that's all coming later. And we got feedback. Oh, we got some lovely listeners' feedback this week. Oh, yeah, I was, I was so excited. I, I, I had quite a trouble uh, keeping it all in, so I did. I was that excited. Anyway, and I was going to tell you all about the town of Uji. Uji is uh, the tea capital of Japan, located between Osaka and uh, Kyoto. But uh, I don't think we'll have time this week, so I might have to tell you about that next time, because we've got so much to do. Anyway, anyway, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Joseph Tame, your host, for episode 8 of A Year in Japan. Why, thank you, Joseph O'Reilly, for that fantastic introduction. And yes, it's true. We have got a packed show today. Uh, I was just uh, making notes on everything I wanted to talk about. And there's so much, I don't know if I'll fit it in. Because uh, I want to keep this episode... I want to keep these episodes down to 30 minutes to fit into those 30-minute slots in your life that I know you have lots of. Because that's what life's like. It's all about 30 minutes. Uh, but before that, let's have a cup of green tea. Oh, can you smell the aroma? Mm. Mm. Oh, it's a bit hot. Anyway, um, right, yes. So this week, ladies and gentlemen, does my voice sound any different? I know we had a new microphone a couple of weeks ago, but guess what we've got this week? We've got a new tripod. Oh, yes. So you, ladies and gentlemen, are sitting on three little legs perched on my little katatsu, my heated table. Does it feel good? You look much better sitting like that than you did. Um, you were balanced on a on a box before. And also we have some new headphones. Won't that make all the difference for you listeners? Possibly, maybe, possibly not. But it makes a lot of difference for me. Uh, they're, they're lovely and sexy and I like to stroke them. Enough about that. Uh, yeah, so hello, hello. Yeah, so very exciting times these days. Very exciting, lots of news. So I'm going to briefly run through my news of what's been going on. Well, let me see. Um, I lost my key today. I did all the shopping, you know, I was laden down with vegetables and uh, got back to the house and it was absolutely pissing it down with rain. Tell you what, when it rains in Japan, it rains. I mean, it really, really rains, like lots of wetness coming from the sky. So I got back and I was like, you know, really wanted to get in the house. I've had an exam today and I was just desperate to get get in. I realised I'd lost my key. 
and I, I haven't got a clue where I left it. So anyway, thankfully, um, the estate agent isn't too far away, about 15 minutes on the train. So I managed to get uh, managed to get a spare key. So that was the drama for me today, apart from the exam. So uh, yes, that was very exciting, very exciting. Um, anyway, um, news, yes, proper news. Oh well, we've been preparing for this uh, 100 kilometer, 100 kilometer hike that we're doing on the 17th of May. So it's only seven a week, seven weeks away now. Uh, in aid of Oxfam Japan, uh, you know, get out there, do some voluntary work, do some, do some paid work even for for uh, for companies and and charities and things if you can while you're on your year abroad. It's great. So this week our team met up for the first time. Almost all of us. There was uh, there was one person who couldn't make it. Um, but uh, yeah, we went out to Takao-san, and Takao-san is basically um, the nearest decent-sized sort of mountain-ish thing near to Tokyo. It's uh, west of Tokyo, and um, you can see it if you stand on very tall um, stilts in the middle of Tokyo. Uh, and uh, anyway, so we went out there, and it's only about 350 yen on the train to get out to Takao-san. Thoroughly recommend it for a lovely day's hiking. Uh, we went on a six-hour hike to hell and back. Um, it was up and down and up and down, more than a flight of stairs uh, that are going up and down. In fact, more than an escalator. That's how up and down it was. In fact, more than a lift in the Empire State Building. That's how up and down it was. And you know what? The hills were actually steeper than the lift shaft in the Empire State Building. So if you can imagine how steep that is, that's very steep. Um, so yes, so that was great. It was a lovely day, really warm. In fact, temperatures in Japan last week hit 29 to 30 degrees in, in some areas. Um, in Tokyo, it was about 24, I think. But, uh, oh, it was fantastic. Um, and yes, my knee packed up, which was great. I have a dodgy knee. In fact, I went to the doctor today. I now have a favourite doctor. I see him every few weeks. Now, what did he tell me my situation, my condition was? He diagnosed it as, Joseph said, as he tried to figure out how to use his mobile phone to check out the message that he wrote earlier with the thingy. And Oh yes, I have a shelf disorder of the knee. How exciting is that? I bet you've never had a shelf disorder of the knee. I didn't actually know I had a shelf in my knee, but uh, it's always good to know, you know, I can keep some kanji dictionaries in there. And um, anyway, so um, my knee was absolute murder on, on Saturday or Sunday. So I said to the doctor, you know, look, I've got this 100 kilometer hike in seven weeks. What am I going to do? Because I, really I couldn't walk by the end of it and uh, you know I'm raising a lot of money for charity and I don't want to end up um, you know disappointing people or the charity or whatever and he said don't worry don't worry just exercise as often as possible and um, you'll be fine in seven weeks so now I've been told I've got this huge challenge ahead of me to go to the gym about uh, three or four times a week that's the idea so uh, basically Joseph is going to be getting super fit over the next seven weeks so you'll be able to hear it in my voice as over, as the next seven weeks progress anyway so yes uh, sponsored hike trail walker go to www.tamegoeswild.com forward slash trail walker 
or there's a link to the site uh, Trailwalker and uh, send us your donations uh, lots of money being raised for Oxfam Japan we as a team of eight are going to raise £2,000 thank you everybody who's already donated we've now raised £1,000 we're halfway there so I'm absolutely delighted with the response thank you so much and if you haven't donated yet please send in your £1 your $2 or your $50 million it's all all accepted you know very happily so thank you very much ah oh, yes oh so next bit of news, it's the cherry blossom season. Now, I'm not going to be talking too much about this um, because you'll be hearing about cherry blossom stuff on other blogs and webcasts and video blogs and things. But Japan is famous for the cherry blossoms. And and I tend to, in the past, I've always thought it's a bit overrated. You know, I, I, I sort of think, oh, well, you know, we've got cherry blossoms in Sheffield in England. What's the big deal? But I forget, I forget just how staggering it is. If you can imagine, you know, you've had a whole winter of greyness. Actually, Japanese winters are actually quite clear and blue and nice. But anyway, just imagine it's grey all winter because it makes the story sound better. And then suddenly there's this eruption of cherry blossoms all over the place. And wherever you look, there's cherry blossoms right, left and centre. It really is amazing, actually. It really does take your breath away, even if you're the most cold-hearted... Um, cold-hearted cold-hearted uh, um, um, cherry hater of the whole world who in fact is a relative of Dr. Evil be evil but have my feelings too change my life with Oprah and Maya Angelou even you would love the cherry blossoms uh, it's really staggering so definitely recommend coming to come to Japan now because they're only out for one week by next week they'll all be gone well they'll be on the pavements anyway it's absolutely beautiful thoroughly recommend it what else final bit of news before we get on with the show proper I had my placement test today so what with the new semester new school uh, university semester starting next week today we had our placement test um, basically at university there's six different levels of Japanese class that you can enter of course this differs with every university in Japan this is only general guidelines and things this applies specifically to Rikyo Daigaku in uh, Ikebukuro but you know maybe you could take it as a general rule for most universities possibly in a big stereotypical sweeping statement type way um, placement test yes the placement test was uh, basically used this virtually the same test paper that we had for the end of semester test last term um, and that end of semester test paper was almost identical to the mock paper that we had just a few weeks before that so I'm not quite sure what <laughs> what their thinking is um, but it was of course I shouldn't count my chickens before they hatch results aren't out for another three days but it was pretty easy uh, and we only needed 50% so basically the way it is is that when you when you come to Japan if you're here for a whole year in your first semester you're going to one level and then you'll have to take a placement test at the end of that uh, at the beginning of the next semester to try and get into the next level of course if you fail that test you're going to have to take the same semester the same level all over again which is not good so we were told today before the test you only have to get 50% over 50% to get to, to, into the next level so it's pretty hard to fail really fingers crossed of course you know in the next podcast I'll probably be saying oh my god I failed I have to do it all again <laughs> but hopefully that won't be the case anyway 
so yes, been working very hard for that. Not. Right, anyway, that's the end of my news for the time being. Joseph's been staying in a capsule hotel. Oh, yeah! Yeah, you can kind of probably fi- figure out why I don't do karaoke very often. But, uh, you know, I-, I tend to believe I do have a good singing voice. It's just it only ever comes out when I've been drinking. Anyway, uh, yeah, so capsule hotels. Japan is famous for its capsule hotels. Uh, they may be found in other countries, um, but they started in Japan. And, uh, you know, Japan, for a real capsule hotel experience, you really need to come to Japan. So I went to uh, Osaka recently and I needed somewhere to stay because, uh, you know, all, all my friends, uh, they um, are what friends? Oh, well, anyway, I needed somewhere to stay. And uh, so I thought, OK, I'll stay in the capsule hotel. Now, my last capsule hotel experience was in 2000, the first time I came to Japan. And it wasn't all that positive, I must say. It wasn't exactly what you could describe as a capsule hotel, more a series of coffins in a tiny little uh, room with with uh, sort of in in the back of this stinky house and to get an idea of the the cleanliness of the place and and the you know the sort of freshness when when I checked in and I went into my capsule I had to climb up this little ladder and, and I checked under the mattress I found a, a, um, a couple of used condoms there so that's how how well it was looked after so Anyway, so this is the this is the uh, history that I have with capsule hotels. So, since then, what seven years ago, um, you can kind of imagine I haven't been all that keen on staying in capsule hotels um, because I mean that place not only was it dirty but also, you know, you've got these these little capsules which are basically the size of what isn't it? I don't know. It's about 180 centimeters by um, 50 centimeters. So it's a, a slightly large coffin. And uh, in that place, there were two people living in each one, the Gaijin foreigner bloke and the Japanese girlfriend. Uh, I'd just like to say I wasn't one of them. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, although (laughs) I would have been if I'd had the choice. (laughs) Uh, Yes, anyway, um, what was I saying? I can't remember. Moving on. Uh, so anyway, I stayed in the capsule hotel. So I thought, right, I need someone to find, to stay in Osaka. So I just went on the internet and I did a search for uh, capsule hotels in Osaka using Google. And it brought back Japan's oldest capsule hotel. And I didn't, I didn't even know this was in Osaka. Uh, but just so happened it was Japan's first capsule hotel built in 1977, the year before I was born. And it was very cheap considering its location. It was uh, within five minutes walk of Osaka Station. And um, it was 2,700 yen, which is about uh, 12, 13 pounds-ish um, for one night. And uh, so I thought, oh, this this sounds great, you know, 
built in 1977, I'm sure it's been refurbished since. No, it hasn't. It was still in its prime 1977 uh, condition. The only difference was was that these days, um, rather than costing 10 yen for 10 minutes of television, if you wanted to watch television in your capsule, there's a little television hanging from the ceiling uh, to bang your head on, it costs you 100 yen for 10 minutes. That's like 50 pence or 45 pence for 10 minutes of television. <laughs> Showers, 200 yen or about one pound. My god, those scavenging um, nasty people. Anyway, so I go to the capsule hotel and uh, I, I uh, arrive in reception, which is on the fourth floor, uh, rather oddly. And uh, it's a bad sign when I check in because first thing you have to do is you have to put your shoes in a, a little locker and uh, you know so your shoes stay in this little in these little shoe lockers and I, I discovered I could only get one shoe in my in the locker because my, my shoes were too big so I had to use two lockers and I thought you know capsule hotel shoes have to go in separate lockers this is not a good sign but anyway carried on checking in um, and uh, anyway I, I asked at reception um, have you got is there any wireless wireless internet here because you know I need to do some old wireless and at first they, they couldn't understand what i was saying i'm speaking japanese god damn it <laughs> um sorry about that um and uh they said no 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 sorry no wireless no we don't have that technology here this is um a capsule hotel for god's sake built in 1977 as if i need reminding Anyway, uh, yeah, so I checked in and um, had a look at my capsule and actually it wasn't that bad. It was clean, you know, I checked under the mattress, everything okay there, thankfully. Uh, had a built-in radio and the television, as I mentioned before. Little air vent, which I'll uh, talk about a little bit later because that was very useful. Um, what else did it have in it? Uh, that's about it, actually. <laughs> um, and I thought, okay, I wonder how big this is. Now I'm 183 centimeters tall, which is something like six footish, and and this capsule was 180 centimeters, so uh, three centimeters too short. Feet had to stick out the end. Never mind. Uh, walking into the main the main bit of the hotel, these capsules basically lined the corridor. It was basically a corridor with all these capsules on either side. It was just like a mortuary, really. You know, really nice uh, feeling. All quite dark in there, of course. Um, I, I was expecting someone to, you know, someone in uniform to come along and just pull out one of the capsules on wheels and uh lift the white cloth off the face but no they didn't didn't actually do that but anyway um and uh, so i uh, i uh, you know I, I left my stuff in my capsule and went into the um into the tv room to see if i see if there was a signal in like the local buildings uh, a wireless signal because i had to do some work on a website and uh, sure enough turned it on and, and i found a found a wireless network called um uh, I think it was called something like Capsule Hotel Lounge and I thought hang on a sec didn't they just say there wasn't a wireless network and then later on I tried it in my uh, in my little capsule and it said the wireless network was called Capsule Hotel Rest so clearly the staff really knew what they were talking about but I was quite pleased about that anyway um, so yes it's uh, it was a funny place because it was men only and in fact a good number of capsule hotels are men only 
the reason for this of course is so there's no hanky-panky because you can't lock your capsule door you just have a curtain um, so you get all these businessmen and now it, when you get a lot of Japanese men middle-aged Japanese men together once again sweeping statements here you know but I, I do like these uh, stereotypes um, <laughs> Uh, in this case, it, you know, it seems quite accurate. You get all these <laughs> salary men together. My God, they're so they they they're so I don't know. There's no respect for other people. You get all this deference when they're out on the streets with their superiors, and it's bow it takes them half an hour to say goodbye because they're bowing to each other non-stop, and then they have to walk backwards away from each other so they can be the last one to bow and things. And consequently, there's quite a lot of. Um, injuries to the backside in Japan caused by walking into um, sharp sticks and things like that. But anyway, um, in the capsule hotel these Japanese salarymen were pretty sort of rude in a way. Um, they were very sort of slubbingly in there smoking. My god, they all they all smoke non-stop. Like in the place where you're supposed to be able to eat, there's they're constantly smoking. And the air conditioning unit is actually inside the building. It's in the corridor in a little cupboard. So what I found was that when I turned the air vent on in my capsule, it actually blew tobacco into the tobacco smoke into the um uh, capsule itself so great air conditioning there uh, this was the main downer actually of the capsule hotel experience was the cigarette smoke so if you do check into a capsule hotel in Japan expect to get lung cancer uh, yes anyway um, so yes they're all quite these men wearing their yukata you know the lightweight kimono and uh, of course they don't have any underwear underwear on and 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 they don't tend to do their yukatas up so there's a lot of willies hanging out all over the place and all these legs sticking out and uh, then I found uh, as the evening went on you know they'd get very very drunk uh, watching TV and start shouting a lot and picking away with toothpicks and and then the someone was sick in the sink in the bathroom and that wasn't cleared up and uh oh yes it was <laughs> it, it really wasn't my idea of a nice place to stay but it was cheap and it was quite a good experience i think to top it all off um the next morning uh, i was woken up by the man in the capsule next door masturbating uh, so that was a nice little finishing touch to my stay uh, in a capsule hotel. So anyway, if you do come to Japan, I do recommend you stay in the capsule hotel, but limit it to one night. That's all you need. It is quite a good experience. Well, it's quite an interesting experience. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that... I mean, these places are quite popular with uh, homeless people, in, for example, because they're the cheapest places you can stay overnight. Um, so, um, not not that I've got anything against homeless people as such, but uh, they uh, the sort of environment tends to reflect the clientele in a way, and so it is quite sort of dirty and. Uh, sort of all these men around a bit sort of sleazy and things so um, but yes cheapest place to stay if you need somewhere to stay uh, in Japan check into a capsule hotel well whilst we're on the subject of uh, where to stay cheaply when in Japan uh, I'm going to continue with a couple of other places which 
are useful if you find yourself in Japan with no money, need somewhere to stay, or if you've missed the last train home. This, these, these last couple of places tend to be used quite a lot by um, businessmen who uh, they've missed the last train home, or students as well, because the last train goes at what about one o'clock, half past twelve, one o'clock, in most major cities. Uh, and uh, the trains don't start again till five or six. So the next place I'd like to recommend is an internet cafe. And these are called um, Manga Kisa. Uh, manga, of course, comics. And Kisa is short for Kisa Ten, which is cafe, um, tea, tea house originally. So a Manga Kisa is basically, you have them all over Japan now. It's um, basically a place where you can go to use the internet. You have these little individual internet booths, but it's not just an internet cafe. They also have the walls aligned with manga, so you can choose your favourite comics and, and read them for hours on end. Uh, they also have free drinks, um, free drinks and um, things like massage chairs in some places they also some of them some of the bigger ones have showers as well and they have little blankets so if you get tired you can uh, lay your head down now these internet cafes i was recently um, i recommended last week buying the big issue big issue japan um, and I, I read a story in this week's big issue about these manga kisas and uh, it was talking about um, the trend of fritas. Um, frita is someone who's um, basically on sort of short short term work contracts or, or uh, they don't really have a, uh, have a proper job and um, they're, they don't tend to work much and a lot of them don't have somewhere decent to live. So um, a recent trend is for fritas to actually live in these internet cafes because they're open 24 hours. Now an internet, one of these uh, manga kisa internet cafe places, you can get a night pack for about 1000 yen which is what about five pounds. So it's actually one of the cheapest places you can stay overnight. So what happens is when you miss the last train you go to one of these manga kisas, you can uh, read, read some manga, you can check your emails and things like that maybe play on the playstation 2 which is um, or playstation 3 which they've got there and then when you get tired you can just get your rug and you can sort of snuggle down uh, in your very they do have very comfy swivel chairs like in mastermind um, actually and um, and some of them have these little private rooms you can't lock the rooms but you can still lie down in them with your blanket um, so these internet cafes, you'll find them in all, all major areas, uh, manga kisses, uh, like areas like Shinjuku and uh, Shibuya and places like that. Um, they're also quite popular with, as with capsule hotels, they're quite popular with homeless people because these really are the cheapest places you can stay overnight, you can, you know, out of the cold. Um, and uh, I mean, I've, I've stayed there overnight in the past when I've missed the last train. And uh, you know it's 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 cheap and it's okay. You haven't got a bed, but it's not it's not that bad. Now, reading in the big issue, I was astonished, absolutely astonished, to find they they had an interview with some staff from a manga kisser in uh, Shinjuku, and the staff were saying that they've got customers who have lived there for five or six years. Can you imagine that? I mean, they've all they have is is a bag which they put in a coin locker every day and they literally go back to this internet cafe every night they buy their meals from the convenience store next door so a pot noodle 
uh, and of course in convenience stores they have um, boiling water on tap for you to use so you buy your pot noodle which is what I don't know 150-200 yen one pound and eat that and, and uh, go back to the manga kisa and sleep there and they've got showers of course as I said before so um, it's quite staggering that some people do actually live in these manga kisses for years on end um, and, uh, and home homeless people as well if they've got enough money that um, they can uh, of course use them as well so that's another option if you miss the last train home and um, definitely if you're coming to Japan you should definitely go to one of these places anyway because uh, it's quite interesting to see the kind of folks that are there Now the final place I'd like to recommend if you're coming to Japan, final place to um, stay overnight is uh, is a love hotel. Now love hotels, they poss possibly they may possibly be unique to Japan. Uh, do tell me if I'm wrong. I may be completely wrong, but I certainly haven't seen any in Sheffield. Love hotels tend to be uh, in clusters um, in major major areas such as uh, you know um, Kabukicho in Shinjuku and Shibuya and uh, also you get them grouped around motorways uh, <laughs> sort of out, out in the alongside the motorways um, I'm not quite sure why that is I guess because the land's cheaper there and uh, you know you don't actually have to have a view because the windows are all blacked out so of course the purpose of the love hotel is because um, Traditionally or typically um, Japanese houses are quite small, you've got the whole family living together, the walls are paper thin because Japan insulation is actually banned in Japan. It's not allowed it's just not allowed. You know, if you get caught insulating your house against the cold or against the sound, uh, you can get fined fifty years in prison with hard labour. Um, so because of this, of course, husbands and wives, you know, they can't um, they can't shag basically so what they have to do is they go to these love hotels um, now they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes normally they're quite bizarre buildings with some crazy architecture a lot of them are themed so you might get like a, an Italian style one and all the rooms are sort of Italian in a way and uh, you can always tell it's a love hotel because they have these huge neon signs on top of them and generally have really stupid names as well. Um, <laughs> you can also tell it's a love hotel because the entrance is concealed. Uh, you know, because of course it's a highly embarrassing thing if you got if if there's a couple walking to a love hotel, you know exactly what they're up to. Um, so you'll have a sort of concealed entrance and uh, there'll be a sign on the outside just outside the door saying uh, rest and stay and rest is basically where you pay by the hour or you pay up to three hours or uh, you know for a for a quickie <laughs> and then stay is of course stay overnight prices vary uh, depending on the actual hotel itself uh, for the, the cheapest ones you can bank on maybe paying uh, 2,000 yen an hour 6,000 for the night the expensive ones we're talking maybe from four or five thousand yen an hour to uh, 
I don't know, about 15,000 15, for the night. That's the really top notch. Um, and you do tend to get what you pay for, so uh, it's always best to pay as much <laughs> as much as you can afford, in my opinion. So it might not be the cheapest place to say, but uh, it's certainly one of the most fun. Tends to be more fun if you don't go by yourself, <laughs> by the way. Checking in is incredibly easy and uh, kind of anonymous in these places. Basically, you walk in and you'll see on the wall, uh, in most places, you'll see a, a wall with lots of photographs of the different rooms and a little button by each photograph. And uh, the rooms that are available are lit up. And basically, you have a look at the photos, you choose your room, you press the button and you get a ticket. You then go to the reception desk the reception desk actually just being a, a slot in the wall at about waist height and uh, there's a, a voice on the other side and you simply uh, hand over the the ticket that you got from the machine with the picture of the rooms and hand over your money so they never see your face and you never see theirs so there's no need to be embarrassed uh, at all um, <laughs> All of this, by the way, it's, it's not my own experience, of course, you know, it's, it's what I've been told by my friends, you know, by Mr. and Mrs. Nakamura. And uh, sorry, I, shouldn't, I do actually know Mr. and Mrs. Nakamura, so I shouldn't say that name. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Tamagotchi. <laughs> they told they told me everything, all this. I know nothing. Um, the cheaper ones are pretty grim, actually. They tend to have been built in the 70s and... Uh, I don't know, they're just not very nice. The nice ones though are absolutely fantastic. You do have to pay quite a bit, but the nice hotels, they're some of the best hotels in the world. Um, I mean, really fantastic, amazing bathrooms with like, you know, the television set into the wall, incredible jacuzzi, complete with disco lights underwater and all this. And then in the main room you have not only, you've got cable television, cable t uh, with some rather interesting channels on <laughs> and some not so interesting channels uh, apparently apparently then also you've got like your playstation you've got your karaoke box um, you've got this amazing control panel at the end of the bed which controls all the lighting and you've got all these different lighting settings for the room uh, and then you've, of course you've got the mini bar now the, the mini bar, the fridge is not your average mini bar uh, sure you've got the drinks there but you've also got some rather interesting um, <laughs> some other, other things in the fridge <laughs> uh, which, uh, which tend to be battery operated <laughs> <laughs> and are very expensive um, so and you have to be very careful because of course if you take any of them out it will automatically charge you because uh, a lot of these places now they they automatically charge your credit cards and you actually can't get out of the room except by the fire escape uh, without putting your credit card in the clever machine on the door according to Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Tamagotchi um, what else? You know, you've got tea maker, coffee maker, and all, all that. Anyway, basically, I thoroughly recommend staying in a love hotel at some point in Japan. If you're not going to do it very often, go to a nice one. Um, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tamagotchi recommends the Hotel Lister in Kabukicho in uh, Tokyo, in Shinjuku. Um, don't don't you, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Tamagotchi? Hi, saw this. Hi, saw this. Hi, saw this. There we go. Okay, so there we go. Capsule hotels. 
internets, cafes, manga kisses and love hotels. Three places that you can stay if you've missed the last train and uh, or if you just want to stay somewhere a bit different uh, in Japan. Learning Japanese, I think I'm learning Japanese, I really think so. Learning Japanese, I think I'm learning Japanese, I really think so. Learning Japanese, I think I'm learning Japanese, I really think so. Learning Japanese, I think I'm learning Japanese, I really think so. Well, in this week's Learning Japanese, I'd like to talk about dictionaries because, of course, they're rather important when you're learning a language. So I started off with um, a very basic uh, Romaji dictionary. Basically, everything wasn't. It was all written in Roman characters. It wasn't written in hiragana, katakana, or kanji, and that served me very well for a couple of years. Uh, I then went on to the Langenscheidt. Great name, I always think. That's uh, the German company. They make those yellow dictionaries with the plastic covers. They make these uh, small pocket-sized big pocket size Japanese English dictionaries which I know some people do criticize them uh, some people say there are mistakes in it but I, I must say I've never had any problem and I think they're absolutely brilliant those little yellow uh, dictionaries and I know quite a lot of other people at university bought them as well kanji dictionaries we were all recommended to to buy the Kanji Learner's Dictionary, which I think is published by Kodansha. I can't quite see it, it's a bit too far away. But the Kanji Learner's Dictionary is a great dictionary because you don't need to know uh, the radicals, you just need to be able to count. If you can count, you can use the Kanji Learner's Dictionary, it's a great system. Uh, now, when I was in the UK at university in Sheffield last year and the year before, there was the, there was this idea that electronic dictionaries were for lazy people and they were kind of frowned upon. This was an attitude that I had myself and it was an attitude that was subtly promoted by some, uh, some teachers. Um, there was never any explicit sort of you cannot use electronic dictionaries but they weren't recommended and uh, I remember one teacher specifically talking quite negatively of electronic dictionaries and I don't remember anyone well maybe they did but I don't remember anyone using electronic dictionary so my attitude was quite negative however since coming to Japan last September um, my attitude towards electronic dictionaries Denshi Jisho has changed completely they are absolutely fantastic now they are not the, the, because the majority of electronic dictionaries are made for Japanese people um, you, you, it's difficult to find a decent um, in, uh, Japanese English dictionary made for foreigners and the prices tend to be very high because they're quite rare and they can command high prices it's much most much better to get much cheaper to get uh, one that's made for Japanese people but because of that they're not good for beginners if you're a beginner you're gonna find yourself lost in these dictionaries because everything's you know pretty much everything is in Japanese apart from the basic um, English translations of words but you know all the keys are in Japanese 
um, all the functions and things so not recommended in your first year of the course or whatever second year third year definitely when you come to Japan definitely um, I mean things like for example when you look up a word in the electronic dictionary it automatically puts it into the history so you're out and about you know you're on the train you see you see a word you think, oh what does that mean you look it up and you all oh, right okay that's what it means when you get home later that day you can go through the history of your electronic dictionary and you can write those words out onto flashcards record them onto mp3 and that way you really learn them if you look them up in a normal dictionary you know, you look at it, you think, oh yeah, alright, that's what it means, and then you forget about it. Unless you want to go through all the palaver of getting a pen and paper and writing it down. You know, I mean, that is one option, and that's what I used to do, is I used to carry around a little notebook. But, um, to be honest, it gets a bit mendokusai, a bit bothersome, tiresome, when you're doing that all the time. So, when I got to Japan, everyone's using electronic dictionaries. I started using my um, girlfriend's, because she no longer needed it. Um having come back to Japan. I, I've been using the Casio X word. Casio, I never rated them before, I just thought they made electronic tambourines. Turns out they make brilliant dictionaries. The Casio uh, Denshi Jishos are absolutely excellent and I would thoroughly recommend you get one uh, here in Japan. Now my model is a couple of years old so it has one vital thing missing and that is handwriting recognition. The problem I've been finding in the last month or two is I'm seeing kanji and and I can't I, I really because now I'm feeling that I should I should not, I should be able to at least guess at most kanji that I see. And so when I see a kanji that I don't know and I've got no idea what it sounds like, I can't look it up in the dictionary unless I count all the strokes and any of you who who know what counting strokes of kanji is like my god it's so it's such a hassle you know especially when they're printed very small so you can easily make mistakes so I was thinking right I you know I really need a handwriting recognition dictionary the new Casios and the new I mean, it's not just Casio it's people like Sharp as well all these Japanese uh, manufacturers they make very good dictionaries which include a tiny little touchpad at the um, uh, at the bottom of the keyboard and a little stylus and you just write the kanji in as you see it and it will find it and uh, display it and give you the reading and all that so you know that that sort of thing uh, the paper books, normal books cannot compete and books are big and heavy and the I mean the amount the dictionary I've got the Casio X words has something like 70 different dictionaries in it you know it's got basic dictionaries kanji dictionaries and it's got specialist dictionaries as well you you cannot compete thoroughly recommend it um, when you're when your Japanese is to a sort of level two level three sort of um, you know um, level <laughs> so to speak anyway I personally was seduced by the Nintendo DS Lite which is the new the new sort of uh, Nintendo handheld computer thing of course most people use them to play games here in Japan though there's a lot of different so-called games for learning stuff for example uh, the major English language school over here uh, sells a program which you can use on your Nintendo to do quizzes in English and, and, and learn grammar and things like this 
and there's other ones whereby there's a there's a so software there's a little program where you have to answer questions about what you're supposed to do in Japanese society in certain situations like how low should you bow and who should sit where in the room depending on their status and things like this also recipes my Japanese um, teacher from Sheffield he uses his Nintendo to cook because you get a little um, game thing it's not really a game little cartridge with with thousands of recipes and it will read them out to you as you're in the kitchen cooking things it will be telling you what to do next um, anyway so I bought the Nintendo DS um, and uh, I bought this little kanji program called uh, kanji sonomama raku Rakubiki Jiten. It's got a black cover. Uh, kanji Sonomama Rakubiki Jiten. <clears throat> and I really like it. I really like it. You know, I've got the little stylus and I write the kanji on the bottom screen. It recognizes my handwriting and displays the English translation above and uh, vice versa. Things like that. Um, of course, if I wanted to, I could waste all my time and buy um, Super Mario Brothers, but I'm not going to do that. Um, there is one thing, sometimes it does not display the readings for the kanji. Um, I, I haven't quite figured out in what situation it doesn't do it. I've just noticed it a couple of times where it's given me kanji, mean the, the translation in kanji, but it hasn't given me a reading. So for that reason, I do not recommend you get a Nintendo DS Lite as a dictionary. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it is a very good dictionary. It's got the Genius 3 dictionary, which is the latest one which most electronic dictionaries use. But it's, to be honest, you know, it's not made specifically to be a dictionary, therefore it has its failings. I thoroughly recommend you get a proper electronic dictionary with this little uh, handwriting recognition pad on the front. Maybe think about spending 20,000 yen perhaps on a, on a really good one that's going to last you. Uh, I recommend you get one in Japan when you get here. Uh, you can get 10% off if you buy it at Yodabashi or Bit Camera because with you know you, you should always get a point card for Yodabashi and Bit Camera. Unlike point cards in the UK, uh, Bit Camera and Yodabashi Camera point cards are actually worth quite a lot. And, and you know 10% shot, you can get quite a lot of free uh, electronics or whatever. So. Don't buy the Nintendo DS. If you've already got a N Nintendo DS, you know, you might as well you buy the uh, little kanji program for it. Uh, it's only 4,000 yen. I don't think you can get it outside of Japan. Um, I, I, I'm, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can't. Only problem, um, only problem with it is, of course, it is designed for Japanese people like the regular electronic dictionary. So it's important that your Japanese is up to a decent standard if you're a beginner you know you're probably going to get lost so stick with the normal uh, paper bound books for the first year or so so that's my recommendation regarding uh, dictionaries learning Japanese I think I'm learning Japanese I really think so Well, before we move on, I'd just like to uh, mention a couple of things which I think are very important if you're living in Japan, especially living in Tokyo. One of them is uh, a bilingual map. If you're in Tokyo, it's really, uh, you, you know, if you want to go anywhere at all, you need a map. 
best map ever in the whole world ever 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 is the Tokyo City Atlas a bilingual guide um, and I think they also do yes they do Kyoto and Osaka uh, they may do other areas as well but this is quite an old copy Tokyo City Atlas a bilingual guide published by uh, Kodansha it's the English website is www.thejapanpage.com at least it was a few years ago when this was published so this bilingual guide I've had this now in fact this is my second copy I've had it ever since I first came to Tokyo it's brilliant it's brilliant you know I mean it's it's got such detailed maps you can literally find a house from the address which is a miracle using this map so uh, Tokyo City Atlas a bilingual guide um, you will find it in all good bookstores and it's an absolute bargain and well worth the 2100 yen that it costs second recommendation uh, if you uh, read the daily mumble you know about this if you have big feet you know it's very difficult to find shoes in japan i went to my local big shoe superstore recently they only had one pair of shoes in the whole shop that would fit me i'm size 29.5 centimeters uh, or 30 centimeters they didn't they only had this one pair anyway there is a shop in Tokyo that has three branches that specializes in big shoes for men and it's called um, Kutsu no Hikor, uh, Hikori is it Hikori? I think it is or is it Hikori? that's no, Hikori Kutsu no Hikori um, so if you go to their website if you just put um, Hikori and um, Kutsu, Kutsu no Hikori, you'll find their website. It might be kutsunohikori.com. Let me just check. Oh yes, sorry, no, it's Kutsu no Hikari. In fact, I'll put a link on the on the Year in Japan website, www.ayearinjapan.com. Um, they, they sell shoes up to size 35 centimeters, and I bought some there the other day, uh, which, uh, which are great. Um, yes, so big shoes, Kutsu no Hikari, they've got a store in Otemachi near Ueno, they've got one in uh, Shinjuku and they've got another in Kawasaki I think it is. So yes, that's very important. Third tip uh, when uh, if you're in Japan, um, watch the subscribe to the podcast Finding Japan. So go to iTunes and just do a search for Finding Japan. It's a uh, podcast, excellent podcast done by a guy called Christopher. Uh, thank you Christopher for your shout outs to this podcast recently I, I really appreciated that I was a big surprise I'm very grateful um, <clears throat> anyway Finding Japan if you watch the episode uh, it's a video episode called Finding an Apartment in Japan Christopher has a brilliant video there talking about finding apartments and especially he's got some great tips on how to use Google Earth there's, I didn't realize this but you can get these sort of overlays for Google Earth and there's a couple uh, related to Japan which are extremely useful and help you with the transport and things so do a search for Finding Japan on iTunes and um, subscribe to his podcast and check out uh, or check out all the episodes but uh, one that was uh, particularly useful for me was Finding an Apartment in Japan so that was great so yes uh, so that's uh, find, Finding Japan. And uh, right, well, I think that's all the little tips for now.
I think we're gonna have a bit of feedback now. Oh yeah, feedback now. Oh, feedback now. I think we're gonna have a bit of feedback now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Yeah, man. Oh, that felt good. That was real good. Uh, yeah. My God, feedback. Oh wow, it's been so positive. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I almost cried. I almost cried when I got this first one. Uh, this first bit of feedback and uh, yes let's let's listen to it it's great hi Joseph I just finished listening to podcast 7 there and uh, seeing this is the first day of these year holidays and got a bit of time just sends you a little feedback mp3 here um, just more positive feedback I'm afraid I just really really enjoy the podcast um, the learning Japanese sections are going to be really useful going to start recording vocab and everything there's some really good websites you give in there thanks very much the uh, news sections, always very entertaining. Uh, pick your stories very well, and they probably don't keep us up to date with Japanese events as you should. Um, and also, it's just a really nice, calming thing to listen to. Like, I, I really like the, the holiday episode with Twinkle. Just how it's nice to listen to how wonderful everything is, and how much you're enjoying it, and it's very, very positive and it's a good feeling. So, thanks for that. Um, well, continue doing great things in Japan and we're looking forward to having you back next year and keep up the good work Ryan thank you so much I was I was so happy to receive that that was great and um, yes, that's my first bit of MP3 feedback. E email to me at joseph at ayearinjapan.com. Uh, so, you know, other people, other listeners, if, if you are out there, which according to the statistics you are, unless it's Ryan downloading it hundreds of times, do send me feedback, joseph at ayearinjapan.com. Uh, videos, emails, MP3s, big wads of cash uh food chocolate and chopsticks you can send it all to me via the website check out um www.yearinjapan.com for contact details anyway we're now going to move on to another bit of feedback received from uh, Sheffield University, my home university. So uh, this is someone who's in the year below Ryan, who we just heard from, who's a, who's a good friend of mine from uni. And um, yes, so let's hear from Jake. Oh, and uh, this, uh, this email from Jake is read today by Lucy. Hi, Joseph. The name's Jake, and I'm a first-year student of Japanese at Sheffield. You probably won't remember me as we met briefly nearly a year ago in an undergrad induction day that you helped present. You gave me your web address back then so I went and had a look at your site. Just wanna firstly say well done for setting up such a great site and podcast. Recently, the tips on learning Japanese have been really helpful. Just wanted to say thanks as you helped me with making the decision of choosing Sheffield. We're in very happy at now. Really enjoying the podcast at the more as I'm wondering every day what it's going to be like in the third year. Is it really harder than Sheffield? I thought Japanese universities were supposed to be much easier. 
Anyway gotta go as I have to finish off my green homework from Nagai Sensei. Looking forward to the next episode of Here in Japan. Keep up the excellent work. Jake. Well thanks very much Jake for your uh, compliments and glad you're enjoying the show. And uh, yeah thanks for your feedback. So uh, you asked is this year harder than, uh, is your year abroad harder than being back in the UK? Or uh, uh, well in my experience I would say it it is it is a lot more challenging actually my idea i may have said this before on this podcast but my idea was that um the third year the year abroad would be a bit bit of a holiday you know a bit of a break and i think there are some people on my course this year in certain universities in japan uh, who found their course to be far too easy they've been put into the wrong level uh, and uh, they've spent a lot of time traveling around and, and uh, taking it easy but I know in my case and in the case of quite a few of my uh, classmates it's been bloody difficult this year it's it's really tough um, it really really pays to do well in your second year in Sheffield to study hard um, even if you've got prior experience, the fatal mistake if you've got prior experience of learning Japanese is to take it easy uh, because you think you know it all, uh, which is what some people do, and I know I was at risk of doing as well. Um, God, I sound like you're, I sound like a teacher, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's so true. It really is. Basically, when you get to your on to your year abroad, when you take the placement test, if you get put in a level that is if, if if you don't do too well in your placement test, you get you end up in a level that's too low for you, and you essentially almost waste an entire year because you end up going over stuff you've already learnt once or you're supposed to learn uh, back in the UK, and you get back to the UK in your fourth year, your Japanese language ability is a lot lower than those people who studied quite hard in their uh, second year and uh, first year and second year and. Um, it, you know it really does make a major difference kind of makes a whole year's difference so um yes it's n- it's not easy on the whole uh your year abroad does require a lot of study okay you do get quite a bit of holiday like i've just had uh, almost three months of holiday um but when you're at university uh when the when uni's on it's it's tough it's really tough to keep up so don't expect it to be one big holiday and uh yeah yeah and it's really important uh to do really well at sheffield as well or wherever you are uh, if you're not from sheffield do do really well in your first and second years it has a big impact a big positive impact it's a really it makes such a big difference it's really worth it My apologies for slipping into teacher mode there. Um, yes, I know. Um, the only reason I did that was because uh, uh, it's sort of a mistake that I was sort of making and um, I sort of regret it. And I wouldn't want anyone else to do the same thing as me. So yes, please forgive my pompousness for being so pompous. I do hope you forgive my pompousness. Anyway, that's the end of listeners' feedback.
So thank you very much for all your feedback everybody. I've really appreciated it. And um, yes, do keep on sending it in. Joseph at yearinjapan.com uh, Go to www.yearinjapan.com and you'll find my Skype there as well. You can send me messages via Skype, via email, MP3, whatever you want to do, send it on in. It's great. This week I did want to give you a bit of news from Japan, but we've run out of time. And I wanted to tell you about Uji as well, the tea capsule of Japan. But we just haven't got time for that. Oh, and I also wanted to tell you about what happens when you start university and all the different things that happen and that you have to do. But I have run out of time for that as well, so I'll have to wait for next time. But never mind. Anyway, I do hope you've enjoyed the show and it's been useful and fun. Oi, maybe it's been a bit serious this week. I've had so much serious stuff to say. Oh my god, my, my life's getting a bit serious. What am I going to do? It's terrible. Right, well I need to go and do my exercises now to uh, try and fix this knee. Because the doctor said to me today, he said, you need to go to the gym several times a week you do. Oi, you need to work on your knee or you won't be doing that 100 kilometer hiking. We can't be having that now, can we? So, anyway, thank you very much. Um, if you'd like more information on Joseph Tame and what he's doing in Japan, please visit www tamegoeswild.com that's tame opposite to wild tamegoeswild.com his blog is called the daily mumble and is updated on a regular basis with absolute trash he also has a large collection of photos over 10,000 most of which are also very boring however there are a couple of gems which you might like to steal and use in your commercial uh, publications um, like that person in Switzerland did I will kill you um, Yes. Anyway, hello, I'll be quiet now. I think it's getting late and I haven't eaten all day, so I think I'm going to munch on some raw tofu and uh, and boil some fish. Okay, folks, well, I'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Send in your feedback. Lots of love and a big kiss. so romantic I know I'm so romantic it must be the Irish in me get you know oh be quiet Joseph bye bye